0: next uh, episode of New Depths, our our Nespa podcast and um, uh, video series that we started this year coming out of our show. We did a lot of video work, and there was a lot of great feedback, so here we are again. Um, Last time we were in our office, this time we're here on site. So we're here at DS Pool Service with Sean Myers and Dustin Weller. They are co-owners. They manage this business together. It is a service company. They are one of our service award winners from this year and they also have a retail store so we're going to chat with them a little bit about kind of how they're setting up this year both on the service and the retail side but I think it's always interesting to start with you know how did you guys get into the pool business and then since you're partners how did you end up then working together in the in the pool business
1: all right so i started uh, working in 2000 back at a pool store uh, outside of Westchester for a previous company that i worked for um, so started just as summer help in the store, and then while well, I was in college still, and then after college I took a job in my field, didn't like it, and then ended up going back into the the pool industry for that same company and worked there for mm-hmm. probably thirteen years, and then uh, and then we started out on our own in in twenty thirteen. So that's kind of how I got my start in the business. What what was your field? Just out like of curiosity, uh, industrial engineering. Really? Yeah. My,
0: my I went to college for landscape architecture. I've been doing association management for almost 15 years, but it's always interesting how you start one way. And
1: yeah, don't really use my degree, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, me neither. That's all right. I use my experiences. See? That's what I say. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it.
2: So I basically got into the industry while I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, worked for a pool company locally um, for three years during high school, during uh, opening, closing seasons, um, and then as soon as I graduated, the day after I graduated, I went full-time. Um, worked in that company till 2004, um, left in 2004, got out of the pool industry for two years, and kind of what we see is once you're in, it's hard to get out. Uh, <laughs> 2006, I got drawn right back in, um, went to work for another pool company, and it's uh, where I met Sean, and uh, 2013, we kind of set our sights on starting something new and and progressing on our own kind of the way we wanted to do things yeah
0: so you're coming into your
2: eighth year so this eight. is our ninth ninth opening season ninth season, ninth ninth season. Ninth season. Yeah.
0: eight february was eight full years but this is our ninth like opening season right nice i, I hear people say all the time once you get chlorine in your blood yeah it's hard to get out you out. can't get it out absolutely Just drinking the chlorine. yeah so that's interesting um that you you got you you got your degree from college and then you started and you stayed in this industry and you didn't really use that and you were working part-time in high school you graduated high school and like that's interesting to me because um we're working on projects right now with high school students right and careers and and whatnot and you guys both kind of have that that's kind of the story right like you could work part-time for a pool company in high school it's a summer job it's it's a way to get some work experience and and maybe that's all it is but maybe Twenty years later, you're running your own business and, and and you know trying to be successful that way.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think like one of the things that we've been talking about recently is how you know you can make the pool business or the pool industry like a career. Yeah. Um, you know, when a lot of people look at the pool industry, like oh, you're a pool boy or whatever. You know, you just clean pools in the summer or whatnot. But I mean, it, they are careers. Like there are sure. many careers available in the in the industry. So. I think trying to get people to understand that and, you know, seasonal aspects and things like that are challenging in this climate, but overall, I mean, you can make a a good career out of, you know, out of the pool industry, so. And like you said, Dustin, there's a
0: reason people tend to stay, right? It's, you can be successful, you can enjoy it. Um, The seasonality aspect, some people look at it as a knock, some people look at it as a plus, right? Like you have extreme busy seasons, but then you have, Time to do, you know, maybe do other things or travel a little bit or whatever the case may be. So there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, I
1: mean, there. we have guys that do some travel over the winter, you know, when they're on um, seasonal layoff, and then we have other guys that, you know, maybe work part time somewhere or whatnot, and we have guys that don't, you know, work at all over the winter. So mm-hmm. I mean, it suits a lot of different personality types for sure. So yeah. So on that, I will
2: say, my son recently graduated, okay. and. When you own a business you think like your kids are gonna follow your footsteps and I've always said I didn't want that for my kids. Looking back, like I'm like, Okay, I'd rather you follow your thing this was not really my thing per se, but it turned into my thing. Yeah. Nobody thought like when I was in high school I didn't go, I'm gonna be a pool boy. That's my gonna be my career. It right. just kinda turned that way and I enjoyed it and um so for him he graduated, um And with COVID, he got out early, and he was like, you know what? The field that he was studying in in school, he's like, it's more of a hobby. He came in full-time right away. And, you know, he's 18, so he's got a lot to learn and progress, but he has to also understand that, like anybody else, if you stick with a job, you can turn it into a career, and it's better than bouncing and starting over, you know, everywhere you go. So you can come in right out of high school with, you know, general knowledge of simple things, and we can teach you and train you and get you caught up to where you can do what we're doing. Um, And I think that's the misconception is... Not to be cliche, and you can edit it out, but people think it's like a '70s porn flick that you work for the pool industry. Like that's what they think. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, like that's, that's that's what they think. So yeah. it's trying to get that misconception out that like you can make this career. The unfortunate side, which I know you know Nespa is working on, is trying to get a program into high schools and where they're working towards that. Yeah, um, we find the hardest thing for us is for ser- for service industry, you know, specific what we are is the service techs are chemists, they're electricians. They're plumbers. So there's not just one thing. They can't just go to electric training and be done. It levels up. So in a lot of ways, they're a jack-of-all-trades, and they have to learn all of it rather than just... Construction
0: background or right. plumbing background or whatever. We just uh, started a relationship with um, the BOCES school, which is basically the Votech system in New York State. Mm-hmm. And one school uh, in Nassau County happened to have a relationship with one of our members and invited us in to do some things. And I gave a presentation to students who were in trade curriculums, right? So they were either in carpentry or they were in plumbing or HVAC. And uh, I kind of said that that way is what you're, how you take what you take and apply it is if you are if you're dead set that like you're going to be an electrician, well then that, okay, there's a lane for that and that's where you need to go. But if you're interested in something like the pool industry, you know, you're learning electricity. You're learning HVAC. That's the track you're in. But you're also learning how things go together. You're learning how tools work. You're learning how to organize yourself. You're learning how construction sites are managed. You're learning safety, and that can apply broadly to an industry like ours, where you touch a lot of trades. But a lot of those principles, right? They kind of, they kind of over, overlap. So, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, I think, um, like I heard Chaz say in in the first one that, you know, he's at the point where he would rather bring in somebody new and be able to teach them you know, how they do things. And right. we're exactly the same pretty much right now, too, where we'd rather bring in somebody with a set amount of skill, like basic skills, who can be well-trained, or taught, or you know, instructed yeah. through our programs that then would allow them to be an asset to our company. It's right. almost harder to bring in a 20-year veteran that worked for another pool company that might do things totally not the way... You yeah. want to do them, not to say they're wrong or different, better, but you know, just not the way that we do it. Sure. So, you know, you're better off trying to start new than to try to break the mold. You know, on some yeah. on some people. So,
0: so I think that's interesting. And let's stay there for a
1: second because we were going to talk
0: about training and, and, and anyway. Um, one of the things that's interesting to me is right like i've heard this said multiple times in in these conversations and talking to people at the show and whatnot is this idea that like i can teach someone how to um, test water right but i can't teach someone to show up on time you either kind of have that or you don't right those are not the things you're you're, you're training on Um, some base level of knowledge is obviously important but it's interesting how every company runs different right so We run trainings at NESPA, right? We do things at the show and at the office, and those are very technical oriented. There's a right way and a wrong way to do certain things. But then when you take those skills into an individual company, you have to layer in like, well, it's not just how do you do this, but like, where do we store those parts, and how do we code things that go out the door, and how does stuff get entered, and everything has a process around it that makes your company unique from, you know. Sure. Budspools pools or whoever else right and so that's in, I'm, in, I'm curious how you guys handle that training aspect of your staff well, you know we know you can you go to pentair's training you can go to you know whoever's doing in-house trainings you get nespa but then like when you get your guys here how do you what do you do do you schedule stuff do you do tailgate stuff do you do more of a formal thing or is it more conversational how do you guys handle training your staff um, year in and, and year out to you. Early, yeah.
2: Well, so we took a step about two years ago to basically create our own training room. So we have our own training room, um, as if you were to go to another factory and go through their training centers there with desktop models, whatever. So we we kind of have a training room set up with different stuff, and we can get hands-on more than we can get from Pentair training or or Fluidra training, et cetera. And I can do it with my guys our way. So that helps us. Um, Over the winter months, we bring them in and also do other training on how we run our – like why we do things a certain way and what to look for in a backyard. And um, we've all been to, you know, Nespa's training and Pen Air's training and and so on and so forth. But applying all of that in a live situational for especially guys with a construction background, they need to do it. They don't need to be taught and told how to do it. They need to actually – do it to yeah. learn. So we've put an emphasis over the last two years on training in the field, training live. So this year we're putting more of an emphasis on me going out with our crew leaders and teaching live on site mm-hmm. in that way and in that aspect. And we do, you know, with COVID hitting, we're doing a lot of Zoom calls and we're doing sure. some more things than we've ever done before um, with getting the office staff, the retail staff, and the service techs. All on the same the same page, um, and then we do a lot of other things that I call training as well. Like we do simple things, get the guys together for a bonfire. Um, we're gonna do our first ever DS burger cook-off, where all the guys can cook their own burger, and we're gonna do a you know do yeah. a bonfire kick off the season. I think they're training just as much as the other training, because all the guys are getting together, they're hanging out, they're you know they're right. conforming to everything. So. Um, I find that that's important for us, and that sep- separates us from a lot of other companies. That yeah. you know, you're just a number as an employee. Where we we view our guys and our staff and our women and, and everybody that's in our industry here sure.
0: as family. So that training and taking that next step sure. is important for us. That's the, the hard skill versus soft skill kind of kind of thing, right? And building building a culture around your company that you guys want. It's not something you just write, you know, you don't write a slogan on a piece of paper, put it on the wall and say that's our culture, right? It has to be something that's reinforced, just like a technical skill, you know, just because you taught somebody how to change, change something out this year doesn't mean you don't have to reinforce that, right? Same thing with culture, right? You have to keep reinforcing what it is that you want your guys to embrace.
2: No, and absolutely, and I use stupid cliches, like I tell the guys, guys all the time, I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make a drink. Right. That's one of the ones I use all the time with them. Like you have to take the knowledge and now apply it. So doing hands-on training, yeah, hopefully helps them learn. Um, but yeah, the training for us has become a huge part of taking our company and elevating it because nice. I can do more of that and get them more caught up. And we're seeing the results on the back end from putting that focus right. in um, into the training side of things. And and we've just changed how we've done it and tweaked it a little bit. Um, it's not perfect, um, but we do things a lot different than maybe other companies and we're we're teaching our guys how to look at something maybe somebody else did and how we can do it better or how the industry as a whole can do it better not just yeah. our company um, where we've also talked to other companies and say hey look you just installed that pump last year right this should be done when you're doing that or you know something along those lines is everybody perfect no are you going to miss things yes that's part of the industry and part of any job right but it's how to move forward when you make a mistake and correct it that we kind of focus on that's important so and our motivational we're not yellers we're not screamers like we would rather do more hands-on stuff and like let you learn that way
1: right in in a teaching style yeah well and we've been able to do like small smaller groups this way too with the way that we set up the training which we've had to do with COVID, obviously but Even before that, it was nice to bring in a smaller group at a time so we could tailor the groups to who we thought had the right dynamic with each other, you know, who could learn best from the other people that are there. You try to put a seasoned guy with maybe a new guy, you know, and try to balance it. So, COVID forced us into it a little bit, but it's it's been an advantage for us to have that smaller group. So, we've been bringing in small groups like on different days so that way we can. Um, build it that way. And it's funny mm-hmm. you're talking about like, you know, live training, you know, hands on versus yeah. like, you know, training in a classroom. You know, we all sit through like a pen Air class or whatever and I'll never forget like my first time when I worked for the other company I went into the service training. I was sitting there with I'd never like been out a pool or at all, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting in the training, and they're doing like heater training with the simulators on the table. And you're taking your multimeter, and you know you're touching different points, and they've got pictures of stuff, but you're just like tracing current. Well, I can trace current and figure out which prong like doesn't light up, right? It's like plain operation, but like. So, you know, you go through that class, and all seems well and good. And then I forget, like, I'll never forget the first day. Like, they sent me out to do a heater repair. And, like, I opened the door, and I'm like, wow, this looks a lot different than the simulator. Like, I don't know where any of the parts are inside the heater. Like, there yeah. was nothing about that. So it's like, yeah, I can follow a current, but hands-on in the heater, you know, how do you take this panel off? Because you can't get to that, and then you're under the trees, and, you know, and the customer's right there with you. So we think that the hands-on like live training is a lot better i mean we have a heater that they set up down in the basement that we can fail you know different parts and it's the actual heater itself so we can flip different things on and off so they can Mm -hmm. figure out where that part is and you know how to follow it so um i think that's been a i mean it's been a great program for us for sure and there's all the real life stuff that happens when you're actually in a backyard
0: on a job site that's got nothing to do with the heater unit itself. That comes from being out there Absolutely. and doing it. And you know, you open up the heater and there's the parts. But sometimes you open up the heater and it's filled with, you Ice. know, because dirt or mice or a dead squirrel or something ha- like all that stuff that is 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 only comes from being out there and Absolutely. and doing it and seeing it. Right? Like from my background in landscape, it's easy to say, like, well, anybody could dig a hole and put a tree in. But until you've know the difference between like, well, I can cut that oak root with a spade, but that mold. I'm gonna probably have to get a saw. Like that's little things it's that you don't little... know until you just your hands are in the dirt enough. And it's that's it's true. kind of the same thing.
2: No, I mean for us, like we also try to take our office staff out in the field, which I don't think a lot of companies do. But like you know, our, our retail staff, that's our great. office staff has come out on jobs with us. So when they're talking with customers on the phone, they also have a understanding of logic of what. The service guys are going through, right. and it kind of bridges that gap a little bit. And I think they also then customers can better respect our office staff by how they can talk about sure. something, and they're not just like, "Oh, hold on, let me get you an answer." Yeah. So that's that's been an important thing, um, especially you know with the growth that we've had recently with some office staff. They have to get to that training. Yeah. Um, they have to get to that point. So, right. and the good thing for us is two of our. Um, office staff right now they have been service techs in the field so they've oh, kind of gone probably, on so they have that knowledge that helps yeah. but that continue education that continue, continuing training it's never done um, you know guys I have guys that come in and they're like yeah chemistry class we've been through this 30 times and I'm like whoa Everything changes every year. The stuff we've talked about chemistry for the last four years, it's different again. Like yeah. There's things in the industry that are evolving, so
0: we have to be aware of that. Unless and you can read from me to the top of the head, the front and the back of that sheet you're going to get, then there's probably something you can something. reinforce, learn, or that's tweaked or different or changed. Or yeah.
2: yeah, and through training, I tell them every day, if you picked up one thing, if you got one thing through today's class, through today's training, then we did our job. Yeah. One thing. Now, collectively, if you pick up one thing every day you go to work, you take one piece of knowledge, you put it in your pocket, you're you're learning. Yeah. If you're that guy who can't do that, can't show up to work on time, can't right. focus on those things, then you know because we wear so many hats, maybe this isn't the right fit for you. But if you can take that knowledge and take that training and
0: right. and, and adjust, then you're going to be fine. Here. Sports cliche, sports references are cliched often, but but it's it's like when you have a team or a player who's just starting out, there's so much they can, they're sponges, right? There's so, they've never played together before and every throw, pass, whatever is like a new thing. But when you have a team that's playing at a very high level, you don't expect them to show up for one practice and suddenly get, right? But the little thing, there's one little, oh, if I touch the, you know, I can, I, I'm a hockey guy, right, like, like if I lead him a little bit further, he's fast enough, he can get there, right, things like that, you know, it's little things, but you have to keep getting those little things, the one thing a day, the one thing from the class, because they add up over time, that's how you incrementally grow how a good organization keeps trying to achieve greatness.
2: So, not that you asked this question, but I tell all, I tell all my guys, you never know everything. Even myself, doesn't matter how long you've been in the industry, there's something to learn. Once you feel like you know everything, you've capped your limit you, and you're done. You're yeah, not going to grow sure. at all. And that goes in, in life, but the pool industry especially, like everything's changing every year. So make sure that you're focusing on growth every day, not, oh yeah, I've done that a hundred times. Oh yeah, I've done that 50 times. Well, each one, each scenario is a little bit different. So right. how do you approach that scenario each time? And through our training, we're trying to get our guys to slow down, look at each individual situation different, and not go, yeah, I've done that 100 times. Right. And become lackadaisical, per se.
0: Yeah. So you talked a little bit about, uh, we, we talked about training, and you talked about how some of your um, office staff go out in the field. Some of them are former service techs. Um, and all of that goes to servicing the customer, right? So you're a service business and a retail business. Coming into 2021 now, um, I don't wanna look back as much. We know last year was a weird year. I know there were a lot of challenges. Um, Seemed like the Northeast had more than others. Um, I know Pennsylvania was a little rough, but now we're coming out the other side. There's still a lot of things in place. Um, COVID's still very much a reality, but people are trying to figure figure it out for themselves. I know demand is really, really high in the industry for new construction. I think that that's affecting service. Um, So I'm curious how you guys have adjusted coming into this year. to the overall environment right not just um uh just the pandemic but also the demand the supply chain issues you know how are you communicating with your customers managing their expectations so that you can still deliver you know a high quality um even in this environment i mean um
1: yeah you know, like in, on the field side we 're still taking the you know the standard precautions of distancing and you know masks and all that, especially when you have to get into a customer 's house for whatever right. um, from a standpoint of you know the supply chain issues for sure, I think this year's going to feel a lot different than last year because we didn't really have the supply chain issues until kind of like midway through yeah. when things started really kind of grinding to a halt, and where things got backed up you know the early buy stuff was all gone the new stuff wasn't catching up. Yeah. So it kind of caught us all off guard that we were suddenly not able to find things that we've always been able to find readily available, yeah. you know, through distribution, for instance. So it it wasn't a problem till maybe like June, July maybe, um, maybe a little bit earlier, depending. But, you know, this year is a problem so far because it hasn't even caught up. So it's almost worse now because you're heading into a season knowing that you have these large supply chain problems right. that we're going to have to deal with. So it's almost more stressful now, um, you know, being a little worried about how you're going to get stuff, and it's only March. Right. Um, so, I mean, like, the early buys have started coming in, which has been good, but a lot of stuff's still back ordered, even on early buys. So I know stuff's like landing, you know, day by day up into the northeast, but it's been a slow like a slow drudge almost um especially when you talk to some of the manufacturers reps they're saying you know we're pushing hard to try to get some more stuff dumped up into the northeast but then the texas storm happened yeah all the ice and they diverted a lot of stuff down to texas um and then you've got like with the freeze i was reading an article the other night on um how the uh the petrochemicals pvc the pvc stuff basically anything made of plastic is going to have trouble now because all those plants are still offline because like their pipes froze like midstream so like they have to clean out all their systems and everything so
0: they're saying with a hurricane they know it's coming they shut everything down they start back up in three days they didn't see this so the damage is pretty vast through all that all that yeah because was like
1: the power went off and they had like liquids through all their systems so yeah. the way i read it was it was all frozen and then gummed up and stuff's broken right so yeah. Um, I mean, we're managing it the best we can. I think you have to, you know, we're trying to be honest with our customers. You know, like a heat pump from Florida, six to eight weeks. You know, heaters right now, we're hoping they come in on early buy. But after that, like, people are showing zeros, you know, right now. So you got to take it as you want. But... We're gonna to try to send some, you know, notifications out to our customers and things right. like that to try to keep them informed of, you know, hey, you know, this stuff is and price increases and it's hard to find. So if you're thinking of you know, wanting to do something this year that you've been maybe putting off, like now might be the time to get off the fence because we don't know how much the price is gonna go up. And once the price goes up, it's never coming down. Right? I mean, let's be honest. The these prices right. are not gonna just plummet as soon as stuff becomes available. So um and then you you know couple that in with a chlorine shortage, it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting season for sure. So we'll see how it goes. But so far, I mean, customers are understanding because mm-hmm. you know you, you have people buying couches that are told two to twelve weeks. You know, so I think yep. people are almost expecting it because they're getting it other places. Right. If we were the only ones that had a problem, it'd be different. But we
0: not but you're so. being proactive in those communications so you have a you have a customer you know a service base i'm sure you're always bringing on new clients and i'm sure you you, you know you have some turnover but uh some stable base of customers and so you reaching out to them early and kind of communicating some of this so that they kind of know what's what's going on
1: yeah so we're sending email blasts um when we can to try to you know inform them that these prices are going up and supply yeah. is a little bit sporadic right now um you know we sent out an early buy sale on chlorine tabs cuz we were able to get some at you know a lower price and we didn't feel it was right to just skyrocket the price and you know based on what it's going to be so we got some at a lower price so we advertised it like an early buy sale for customers and right. it was very well received like people were really appreciative of you know us letting them know like that these things were coming i mean yeah. the prices are going up 30 50% on some of this stuff so yeah. you know the fact like people have been very appreciative that we've tried to keep them informed and good. and things like that. So I mean just through email blasts and things like that. Nothing crazy, but um, I mean so far so good. So we'll see how
0: it goes. And that's on the that that's on the retail side as well as the service. Retail
1: side. and service, I mean we use the same we use the same email list to be honest. Um, do you have customers, customers that
0: do that do both? Like that pay for you to do a certain amount of service but then they manage their pool you know otherwise so yeah. they buy their stuff yeah. Yeah
1: absolutely so I mean you know we only have the store here in it, You know, we service the whole, you know, basically southeastern corner of the state. So we have a lot of people that pay us to service, open, close, um, you know, repairs, but they're going to other stores for chemicals and maintenance products and things like that. So um, we do have like a, you know, delivery service that we run and things like that. But, um, you know, you're always going to have the customers that are, you know, some of them are doing stuff on their own too. So, you know, we're trying to keep them in the loop too, like on product increases and things like that. So that way they're not caught off guard. You know, even in the big box stores where a lot of people are buying, unfortunately, a lot of their chemicals and things like that, their prices are, actually right now, their prices are higher than ours. Right, um, a, lot. a lot, like significantly higher. So huh. I don't think people realize that, um, that some of these bigger stores are more expensive.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I overused the reference to my history in the landscape industry, but it was always the same thing in that industry as well, where, where well, I'll just go to Home Depot and get it, but they're more expensive and the quality's lower, mm-hmm. you know, especially for live goods like plants and things like that. Um, so, what else can would you guys like to share? For so we're talking to the industry, right? Right, and, and this is a wonderful opportunity. And the reason we're doing this is because members like to hear from members, right? And you. You talk about how you. I, everybody I know on my board of directors seems to have a relationship with somebody in a different chapter or region. That like, that's how they get better at what they do. We talked about the little things, right? So they talked, you know, um, maybe they don't talk to the guy right down the street, but they talk to the guy four counties away because hey, I met him in a meeting and we hit it off, and now we're on cell together and we kind of have our own little you know kitchen cabinet. So this is an opportunity to kind of like help do that. What are some things you know you guys do or have learned that you think that the membership of Nespa might benefit from from? I'm hearing about. Well,
2: so I would say one of the biggest things that you could do, especially dealing with the price increases, is making sure if you are sending a quote to somebody yeah. that you put a cap on that, that you put a 90-day only, that that quote is good for a certain amount of time only. Yeah. Same thing with your prices. Um, making sure that you're being smart in in the fact that we are going to have shortages, that you're letting your yeah. customers know that that is a real issue. Um, and just... And just kind of getting ahead of that game as much as you can, um, using those relationships that you've created to kind of scratch their back. And, you know, maybe you are close competitors and they are down the street, but at the end of the day, we're still businesses and, and we still work together with each other. So those relationships that you build can help you, can benefit you. If that guy has eight filters and you have four heaters and you can trade a heater and a filter and you can make something work that because you need this and he needs that, like, we're in it together and we're going to struggle through this year. I don't think there's any way about it that, you know, it's going to be different. So having those relationships and working well together is going to be important. Yeah. Um, So I would say like, that's probably the best tip that I can give people is making sure that you, you're not necessarily ruining those relationships with other people um, that you know where they are and, and you keep them in good standing
0: because don't get hyper competitive just because we're in a rough spot.
2: And, and we're all here yeah. together; like we're all in it. So we all have dealt with the same thing. We've all dealt with the shutdown. We've all dealt with product, you know, shortages, and we're all going to deal with with issues with, um, you know, supply chains and and price increases. So how do we yeah. how do we work together to get through it? And you know, it it's cliche, but scratch each other's back when when you need help because yeah. as much as you want the business, they want the business too, and we're all human, so. Let's yeah.
0: let's stay afloat together. And talking to manufacturers, manufacturers reps, distri- distribution, and then um, uh, members of the association that run businesses like yours, um, the frustration goes up all the way up, to, all up and down. I mean, they want to sell it as much as you want to buy it, right? But at the same time. Um, it's been, it's really been actually kind of refreshing, because there has, it feels like that spirit that you just described is there. I hope people follow through with it when, it, when you know, when the, the real busy season hits, where, you know, distribution wants to communicate to you as much as possible, and let you know what's going on, and manufacturers are, are talking to them, and hopefully, you know, it, hopefully when the real pressure moments in the Northeast hit, people kind of keep that spirit alive, because, as the as from Nespa's perspective, I want the whole industry to rise. You guys want the whole industry to rise. It's it's better overall. I mean, you want to you want to win that bid and you want to win that customer, but at the same time, we want to build that reputation of the industry so we're not just seventies porn no, exactly. <laughs> guys in the exactly, backyard. Right.
1: When I think right. too, I mean, if one thing I've learned through you know being involved with Penn Jersey and Nespa and things along the way. I mean, we've tried to take an active role in the organization and yeah. things like that and learn from each other. And I think one thing that I've learned is that the relationships you build in the industry can really pay off long-term You know, when you get to certain situations like this, you know, you're able to talk to, like you said, maybe it's not the guy that's right in your backyard, but maybe you're talking to somebody who works, you know, maybe out of your area, you know, that you got networked with in Penn Jersey or NESPA or whatever. You're able to talk about things. You know, you're able to build those relationships with the manufacturers, reps. You know, so you probably have a leg up on... A person that's not as involved, right? And that sure. you don't see at trade shows and training classes and things like that. The more that you're seen, the more you're involved, the more you network with people, yeah. it comes in handy. I mean, when you're scrounging for equipment or, you know, skids of chlorine, like, you know, yeah. the distributor that knows you well because he sees you all the time, like, you're probably more apt to get a little help, you know, as opposed to the guy that comes in off the street looking for a bucket of tabs, yeah. you know? So... I think relationships are key, are huge, especially in this industry. And I think one, hmm. one thing I've found, that people that are involved are more apt to be willing to help other members of the yeah. organization. That's awesome. So
0: I think that's a great place to to, to wrap. That's a great conversation. The whole thing, this was a great conversation. I'm really glad we came out here and did this. So. Um, that's a wrap on episode number two of our New Depths podcast. Again, we're at DS Pool Service with Sean Myers and Dustin Weller. You guys were, were, were great. I really appreciate, I really appreciate, appreciate you being you so open out. and we sharing and all it. that. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll see you at the next one. Thanks.